It's season two of Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk with McCade Pearson and Brian Priest. Last night, the Jazz find a way to escape OKC with a 110-109 victory, but in a replay from last season, perimeter defensive struggles allow the Thunder to stay in the game. However, the clutch play of Donovan Mitchell and the solar eclipse-like defense of Rudy Gobert at the basket allow the Jazz to improve to 2-1 on the young season. But first, we got to talk about Mike Conley. Without Conley's near triple-double, the Thunder win this game easily. McCade and I talk how 48 minutes of top-shelf point guard play benefits the Utah Jazz. Stay tuned as all that and more is coming up next on Home Court Press, Utah Jazz Talk. We are underway here inside Chesapeake Energy Arena. Ingles again, losing that pick and roll, and that time it's successful. And Gobert, full force up to the rim. Mitchell, another three. That one wide left. Can Conley save it? He does so to Anil. And Bogdanovich open. That's good. Well, Utah's starting to get comfortable from behind the three-point line. This Jazz team just keeps coming at you. Mitchell now matched up with SGA. Has the step, got to the rim, and scores. All right, seven seconds, SGA to trigger it in. Got it into Horford. Horford tries to get rid of it, does so to SGA. SGA, pressure, double team, shot on the way, off the glass, and short. Welcome into Home Court Press. Brian Priest here talking with McCade Pearson. And McCade, we're recapping last night's Jazz Thunder game. And it wasn't pretty. It went down to the wire. But we've got a Jazz victory, 110-109 to talk about. How are you feeling today after your travels? <laughs> I said a couple days ago that we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly from the Jazz. I think I was a little uh, early on that. I think now we've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um but, you know, a win's a win, whether it's a one-point ugly win on the road or a 30-point win at home or a domination over a good Blazers team. A win counts as one win, and a loss counts as one loss, and I want more wins as the season goes on, and you can't complain too much anyway. And not only 2-1, and one, but two wins in conference and in division. Now, the Thunder probably aren't going to be competing for a playoff spot, but we said the same thing last year when the Jazz lost to them early in the season. Portland definitely will be, so... Not just the victories, but banking some of those conference wins are a big deal for the Jazz as we look at a 72-game season and potential tiebreaker scenarios. And as you mentioned, division also helps because if you end up in a – it's as we said before, it's fun this year because you play one three times, so pretty much head-to-head solves a lot of tiebreaker issues. Mm-hmm. But just in case you get in a three-way tie with Portland and Denver for the division, the division wins always help because that's the next tiebreaker. And then, of course – if you do get in a two-three, if you get in a three-way tire more with other teams in the conference, the first tiebreaker is division winner. So you know, say you end up in a five-way tie, which sounds crazy, but like it's very possible. We see two-three. We saw three-way tie last year with you know game up was a two-way tie, and it's all over the place. Every win obviously helps you get into that tie and road division games because we want to talk about the last mm-hmm. time the Jazz won in Oklahoma City. Where were you 10 years ago? Where was I 10 years ago? Oh, man, I was still living in Logan. I wasn't doing anything productive. What about you? You were, what, 12 years old? Yeah, not quite that young. I was just turned 14, and I remember being at a middle school Halloween party watching that game before we watched a scary movie, like me and, like, seven of my friends from middle school. We were just about to hit Jimmer Mania, and the Packers were 
starting their run to the Super Bowl, and life was great in eighth grade. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been a while that the Jets, since the Jets won a regular season game in Oklahoma City. Um, so it's good to get that monkey off your back. There's some stuff to break down. There's some uh, not great stuff from last night's game. But let's just start off the right way and say a win's a win, and a win is a good thing. The main point for all of this is you come out with a victory. Whether or not you played great, you played well enough to put yourself in a position to win, and that's what the Jazz have to do. And then you build on those things throughout the season. A couple exciting things before we start talking about individual players for the Jazz. Some exciting things on the stat sheet that stood out to me, things that you and I have talked about in the past. The Jazz were able to force 17 turnovers last night. They had 17 of their own. But forcing 17 and nine live ball steals, because not all turnovers are created equal. So getting those live ball steals and creating some transition opportunities, really big deal for this Jazz team as they look to increase the pace and tempo each game. And then also they, I believe, I didn't look at all three games this year, but they out-rebounded the Thunder 43-37. to I believe they've out-rebounded all three of their opponents this season. Hey, listeners. Wanted to tell you about something that I discovered recently that's pretty cool. It's called Joyful.Gifts. Joyful.Gifts is a service that makes gift giving easy and simple. You tell them who you want to give gifts to, you set a budget, and then they select, buy, and ship your gifts automatically to every occasion while you have that peace of mind. Best of all, you actually save some money since the software continuously monitors the web for the best prices for you. If you want to give it a try, it's at joyful.gifts. No www needed, no .com. Just type joyful.gifts in your browser, and you're set to go. Yeah, the offensive rebounding numbers, I mean, they weren't great last night. They were pretty average, but overall... When average is your bad, that's a good thing, right? And so that's a place the Jazz can get a couple extra possessions that they didn't get last year. They had another eight last night. Um, none for Rudy. Uh, Royce got another two. Conley popped in with three. And then, you know, favorite Clarkson continued off the bench for one or two each. And getting that number to – you probably want to hit at least eight a game and get into the double digits for the most part. They've been doing that this season so far, and it's helped. They're, um, we talked a lot about quantity, quality, all that fun stuff. And – their quantity has been really good this year. Finished about a negative one true shooting attempt in this game, but when the, you shoot as well as the Jazz shoot, when you have all the three-point shooters, you can afford to let the other team take an extra shot mm-hmm. because you had an extra turnover because you had a nice backdoor cut that the ball just didn't get there. If you're within you know one or two, it's when the Jazz don't get to the I'm sorry, when the Jazz don't offense rebound, they have all these turnovers, like you know they have six less shots than their opponent they get into trouble. You really start to see some of the struggles with the Jazz. But let's talk about these individual performances. And Now, Mike Conley, I think we have to start with Mike Conley. He finished one assist shy of a triple-double. Yes, that's one assist shy. He got the 10 rebounds. He got 20 points. And some people are arguing that he should have gotten the assist on the final play to Donovan. But Donovan caught took a back dribble and then three dribbles to the basket. So no assist there. But it could have been, I mean, at least in my eyes, was this Mike Conley's best game as a member of the Jazz from start to finish? One of the top five for sure. Don't put me on the spot like that. I have to go really look and think. He had a couple (laughs) good games in the bubble. But, yeah, no, for sure top five. And it's what last year Conley didn't, I don't know if he didn't have a role, but there was just some issues with him and Joe and everyone just kind of falling into their roles. And the reason we brought Mike Conley to this team 
is so when Donovan Mitchell was awful and when Donovan Mitchell chucked up 23 shots and only hit eight of them, that you had another guard who could take the ball and say, okay, I can keep us in this game. I'm experienced. I'm a veteran. I've been there. I've done that. It's not your night. Let's still try and figure out a way to win this game. Exactly. That's exactly what he did. That's what we brought him here for. I want to see more of it. You know, that's that's why we gave up all those first-round picks and some assets. So I want to see more of it. But from last night's point of view, that is exactly what he did. And that's the reason, not the reason, but one of the main reasons the Jazz won this game. You really hit the nail on the head there, McKay. Mike Conley is here, especially this year. Last season was a little bit different, but this season, Conley is here to give the Jazz 48 minutes of top-notch point guard play. And that's that's something that can't be understated. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell struggled for the first three quarters. First three quarters in the first half of the fourth last night, he did finish really well. But Conley was able to keep the Jazz in the game. He was able to stabilize the offense. And with Donovan not scoring consistently, they were still able to put points on the board in large part because of what Mike Conley can do. And we've discussed it in the past several times, McCade, how having that 48 minutes at point guard can be such a big deal because it's rare when you look at teams across the league that they'll have that 48 minutes of elite play. You might have a decent backup guard, but guys like Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley can take advantage of any decent guard. So it gives the Jazz an advantage on the floor at all times, and that's not even addressing the 48 minutes that they have at center as well. Yeah, we've talked about getting those bookend positions, 48 minutes of lead plays, a very good success recipe for the Jazz. Um, get those 48 minutes of point guard and center and let the middle fill out, and we'll be fine. But we should come up with a fun term like that, like peanut butter and jelly sandwich or something. We'll talk off air. Um, <laughs> Mike Conley was awesome. Boozer's triple-double. The Jazz are the longest drought of a triple-double in the NBA by a wide margin, by like six or seven years. Boozer's triple-double in Seattle in 2008. The legacy lives on now. <laughs> Carlos Boozer, your guy. Thanks for tuning in today. It's Season 2 of Home Court Press with McCade Pearson and Brian Priest. Home Court Press can be found on any of your major podcatchers, including Google, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. And please, if you like what you're hearing, remember to share, rate, and review so that we can expand our audience. Home Court Press can also be found on kbear.com. Just go to kbear.com forward slash home court press. Lastly, give McCade Pearson a follow on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-8. You can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter as well at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. As always, thanks for listening to Home Court Press. And take note. Now, back to the show. Seattle, our place, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, no, Mike Conley was helped on the boards. I mentioned the three offensive rebounds earlier. Just a really, really solid game from him. Yeah, if Conley can keep playing like that, then the Jazz should definitely see some success this season. Next I've got on the list here is Rudy Gobert. If you look at the stat sheet, the numbers definitely don't pop out at you. It's not like he scored 30 points. He didn't have the 17, 18 rebounds that he's been getting so far this year. Didn't shoot a free throw. I don't he know didn't... the last time that's happened. Yeah, he didn't shoot a free throw at all. And Part of that, I think, was just the Thunder's game plan. I think they were willing to let Rudy get to the basket, and they were more focused on taking away the three-point shot that they did. And, you know, successfully, for the most part, in the first half, the second half, not so much, but... Rudy finishes 12-10-4 with four blocks. The four assists are a big deal, too. The passing from Rudy Gobert and his court vision is, again, it's just so underrated and something that you don't 
expect from a Rudy Gobert and people that don't watch the Jazz 82 games a year, I don't think they understand how effective of a passer he is. He's not, I wouldn't call him a great passer, but he's an effective passer and he makes smart passes. And that's one of the things that I love about his game. Well, he knows where to be and Mm -hmm. where to look around. And he, like, you see him on a short roll and his passes aren't always super, super pretty getting out to the corner, but he knows where the guy in the corner is. And that's what's really valuable. So, Great to see four blocks, four assists. It's his sixth game in his career. Jazz have uh, done really, really well when he gets four assists and four blocks. He also had a huge impact at the end of the game, as he always tends to do defensively. He blocked two layups in the final four minutes, and he forced Shea Gilgis-Alexander into basically an impossible look on that final shot. And that's what Rudy Gobert does for you. That's why he deserves the $205 million contract, because on the stat sheet... Yeah, nothing pops. But when you watch the game, you watch the final six minutes, you see why Rudy Gobert is such an impactful player and deserves every dollar of that contract. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. He wins games just like you have to score at the end of games to get that extra point up like Donovan did. If you can stop the opponent from getting that extra point, that helps as well and looks great. Rudy looks very motivated this year. He's been mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic all three games this year. Um been a big positive in net rating, which can have some shakiness to it, especially in short samples like three games. But I think we've seen it over the past four years. Now we've seen the last three games that Rudy's just a force to be reckoned with. He's an all-NBA player, and he's going to make sure he wins his 36 minutes by five to seven points. And if we can figure out the other 12 enough, we should win a lot of games. And we have won a lot of games doing that, despite some issues that we have had around that. So... If Rudy keeps us up, not only is he going to be an all-star again, but he's going to be an all-NBA. The Jazz are going to fight and compete to get deep into the playoffs. This is a very, very good Rudy Gobert we are seeing. Let's shift gears here now, McCade. We've got two guys who struggled in the first half. They struggled against Minnesota. Donovan Mitchell and Bojan Bogdanovic, both just second-half studs. I mean, Mitchell more so. I already mentioned it was later in the fourth quarter. But Bogey, let's talk about Bogey in the third quarter. Five of six from the field, four of four from the three-point line, 14 total points. This was after going two for nine in the first half. And then we look back at the Minnesota game. He was three for 16 against Minnesota. That's five for 25, shooting 20%. And then the guy just goes unconscious, five for six and four of four from the three-point line. A lot of fun to watch from Bogey, and that's why this Jazz offense is so good. They they have a plethora of players that are capable of those explosive performances. Shoot or shoot. Um, no, but yeah, that's why you signed Boyan last year. Is that guy just has an ability to flip a switch, make four threes in a row, and change a game. This is one of the reasons, let me be clear, he's not Steph Curry. But that's one of the reasons those Warriors teams were so good is they could play even with you for 45 minutes, but there'd be a random three-minute stretch every game where they go on a blitzing 12-0 run, and it would completely change the game. The Jazz had one of those yesterday where I think they hit five threes in like two minutes and ten seconds, something like that, and it took them from down five to up six to go double-check the exact numbers, but hit five threes in two minutes, and it's a ten-point swing, and that's the difference in the close game. I don't think any of us ever had any concern that Boyan wasn't going to be a great shooter this year, especially after the first two and a half games. Jazz Twitter would believe differently. And it was good timing to see of when he was able to put some shots down. And the other thing there is we're seeing a lot of Boyan minutes without Rudy, and I like that. I like seeing the roster flexibility of 
okay, we don't have to take Boyan to Rudy. Okay, we don't have to take Donovan to Rudy. Where you can have all these other really good players help with the non-Rudy minutes since they don't have to be taped to Rudy because favors are so good defensively. So we're seeing good stuff from Boyan the last 24 minutes of the game. Hopefully that continues moving forward. And because we've got a couple tough games coming up before a brutal road trip. It's progress. It's not perfect, but it's progress. Yeah, that speaks to the roster flexibility that they've added, that they can play bogey without Rudy on the floor, and and I think that does benefit them. Uh, Last player we'll look at individually, Donovan Mitchell. He hits the game winner. He struggled all game, though. He finishes with 22 rebounds and 5 points, but it felt like he never really truly got into a rhythm. Even as he scored the final 12 points for the Jazz, he just... He didn't look like he had it last night, but he had enough. And that's what stars do is when the chips are down, you you do what you can to take over. Yeah, and that's something we didn't see a lot from Donovan in his early career, even much that or even that much last year. Ooh, I gotta slow down a little bit. No, <laughs> but um yeah, he would always if he got struggling like this, he would usually struggle down the stretch as well. But you mentioned the last twelve points. Hit the game winner. It's only his second career game winner. He had one last year. And he just looked under control in that final play, which is something we haven't seen as much before. And love to see that. You escape with the win. Hopefully they build some confidence moving forward. I'm going to brush this off as an outlier game. But, yeah, Donovan definitely had some struggles. So before we wrap up here, McKay, i got a couple questions for you. So I look at Derek Favors over the last two games. The Jazz obviously signed him to a nine-plus-million-dollar deal over the next three years. In the last two games, he's played a combined 28 minutes. Is that a potential problem? And if so, how do you think Quinn can find more time for Favors? Yeah, we haven't really seen any Favors at the four lineups. Um, And $9 million is a lot to give somebody if they're only going to play 15 minutes a game. So you got to ask, is it worth it? What's he bringing? So last night he was good. You know, he had six points, three boards in 11 minutes. He finished at a minus four, not necessarily his fault. Um, But then you ask, okay, is that that much different than what Tony Bradley would bring us? Bradley might have been six points, two rebounds, or blah, 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 blah. And then you look at the final score and the Jazz won by one point. And, okay, is the difference between Favors and Bradley one point? Maybe, probably. So was it worth it? Yeah, probably. But, of course, this is the one game we're talking about, and there's concern there. I'm not ready to blow up and, oh, this is a disaster. What did we sign favors for? But it's hard to justify paying him $9 million to play 11 minutes a game, especially if they're going to be a negative four in those minutes as great as favors is because the perimeter defense is actually the real issue, not inside. We'll see how it plays out, but I would like to see some favors minutes at the four because that lineup is really, really good. People will talk about the offensive struggles, but nobody's scoring on that lineup. That lineup was the 99th percentile three straight years with favors and Gobert. So if nobody's scoring on you, you're going to come out positive. That's a good thing. We'll see as time goes on. Favors has been on the injury report all three games for a sore knee. We'll see what happens in the playoffs and it slows down a little bit and it might be worthwhile to go big, big. But as of right now, 15 minutes a game, a little scary just seeing that. I'll tell you, it's something that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on, 15 minutes a game, because I do think it's not quite enough for Derek Favors and what he can provide for the team offensively and defensively. But depth is a huge deal. And so 
I think that while the Jazz have some really good depth and we're seeing some outliers in the rotation and minutes uh, as things have gone through the first three games, I also believe that when you have depth, the actual rotation and roster construction will work itself out. Quinn Snyder is going to tinker with different things and make small adjustments here and there. When George Niang doesn't play well, as he hasn't so far, then you might see Derek Favors get a couple of his minutes. And I don't think it's something to be concerned about right now, but I'm definitely going to keep an eye on it because I wonder if, if we get into February or March and the Jazz haven't dealt with injury issues and things like that, is Derek Favors really going to be happy playing only 15 minutes a game? And that's my biggest concern is... I just want to make sure that the locker room chemistry is going to be good and people are getting the minutes that they deserve. And and that's where I'm at. I think Derek Favors deserves more minutes, so it's going to be up to Quinn Snyder to find that time. And I agree that the two-big lineup, even if they go to it for only six minutes a game, that gets Derek Favors up to 17 to 20 minutes, and that's probably where he needs to be. So it'll be something we need to keep an eye on. Did you have anything else? No, just a slight concern over the clutch offense. We've seen this for years now. The Jazz have pretty much, they count the last minute of the Timberwolves game, five points, five minutes. They count the last minute of the Timberwolves game when we got it under five, and then the whole Thunder game um, last five minutes there. And Donovan Mitchell's taken eight out of our ten shots. Rudy got one off a miss of Donovan, and then Boyan ended up taking one last night that he missed, got blocked by Shea as a three-pointer, I think, about three minutes to go. And Donovan's fantastic. But one of the reasons he scored the last 12 points is because he basically took the last shots for the last six minutes. So not that Donovan's not capable of that, but the Jazz do seem to be going away from their offense a tad earlier than I would like down to the stretch of close games. And not giving to Donovan the top of three points saying, hey, do something. You can do that with 30 seconds to go and you just need a bucket and it's just we got to win now time. I'm not sure if that's the best thing to do with four minutes to go in a two-point game when you could still be running your offense and getting Boyan or Mike or Donovan or Voice or whoever's on the court, Joe, a good open three-point look or Rudy a dunk or whatever. So a little something to keep an eye on is the Jazz clutch offense. They've struggled with it in the past couple of years. Great offense. The first 43 minutes will carry that into the last five minutes a little more than we currently are. Couldn't agree more, McCade. Well, the Jazz are next in action. This is going to be Thursday night. They're back home New Year's Eve playing the Phoenix Suns at 7 o'clock. I had two tickets to this game. I no longer have two tickets to this game, but I did make myself a little bit of a profit, so I'm kind of happy about that. Tomorrow, we're going to put out our weekly jazz conversation, look around the league. With that one, we're going to talk about Rudy Gobert's extension. We'll talk about the jazz core, some of our early season thoughts for the first three games. I'm sure we'll have a chance to talk about the James Harden saga, and of course... You've all been waiting for it. Our NFL picks for this week. McCade, where can I find you on social media? I think we're tied in the NFL picks going into week 17 in the playoffs. We'll tie that up, but it's getting closer. I'm coming back. But uh, you can find me on Twitter at McCadep8. That's M-C-C-A-D-E-P-H. And you can find me, Brian Priest, on Twitter at bpriest24. That's at B-P-R-E-E-C-E-24. And if you like the podcast, you enjoy listening to Home Court Press, please subscribe, share, rate, and review the show so more people can find it. Take note.